According to the National Institutes of Health, nearly one in three of all adolescents between the ages of 13 and 18 will experience an anxiety disorder, and these numbers have been rising steadily. It doesn't get any better for adults either. One out of three Americans will experience an anxiety disorder in their lifetime, and again, the percentages are going up. Don't despair though, we're here for you. I'm Larie Florence, and I'll be your host for episode 123 of the Happiness Playbook, where we talk about how you can improve your happiness game. But before we get into how we can manage anxiety, it's time for our team huddle. Did you change someone's life by sharing the four playthrough principles with them? If not, it's not too late to give it some thought and consider who in your circle of friends and acquaintances could use a positive mental hygiene practice. They'll thank you for it. So disclaimer, I'm sitting here with my puppy. While I was working on this episode, he was sleeping dreamily. And now that I'm recording, he's awake and he wants to be snuggly and he's very licky. So if you hear an odd sound here or there, Just picture a really cute little puppy who's very happy. All right, so getting back to our studies that have found that nearly one in three of our teens are experiencing anxiety, some of the causes for this are, one, high expectations and pressure to succeed. And I know in our neck of the woods, A lot of kids are finding out if their college applications were accepted or not. And that's just, it's challenging. It's got to be rough because everybody knows where they've applied and all the kids get their answers around the same time. So I can see how that's, that would bring on some very real anxiety. Okay, our second thing that could cause that or cause things to be increasing is a world that feels scary and threatening. And I think a news cycle that's 24-7 heightens that. I was a kid back in Ted Bundy era, and we actually had a, my mom had an employee that was actually murdered. So crime has been happening, and it has continued to happen, and I don't know that there's that much more than there is than there was, but we definitely hear about it more because we have this 24-hour news cycle and you don't have to wait for the evening news to find out what's going on. And it's also, we're hearing about events throughout the entire world now instead of our local community or more of our national news. So that can create a sense of um, ever more darkening, discouraging events because we're hearing more about them. And that's why it's so important to have positive things that are coming into your life like the Happiness Playbook. Hint, hint. Also, another thing that's affecting anxiety amongst our teens is social media. Today's children and teens are constantly connected via social media, whichever platform they're using. And so it's not surprising that their self-image and their, their feelings of worth and their worldview is ever more connected to others and in responses to the, what they get on their social media posts. So it's hard for them to not compare their life and other people's lives and to feel a sense of 
genuine value when others do respond to what they put out there in this two-dimensional world. So I think we're going to get better at how we manage social media, but for now, I think a lot of youth are really overwhelmed by that, and it creates a lot of anxiety. So there are a lot more info and ideas to help manage anxiety in this article titled, Anxiety in Teens is Rising, What's Going On? And I will link that article to our show notes on playtheory.org if you're interested in reading the full article. Now, here are a few thoughts that I'd like to share about how to mitigate anxiety from our play theory paradigm. Now, a disclaimer, I know there are scenarios that merit medical intervention, and this advice that I want to share is not meant to replace needed medical care, but I hope that it can help with anxiety and supplement any treatment that someone's receiving for anxiety. All right, so here's the big idea. When we are afraid of something that hasn't happened yet, that means that our mind is thinking about something that could be happening in the future. It is not in the now meaning our mind is not focused on the current moment. Now, when our minds dwell on a disappointing past event, then we feel regret. When our minds are reviewing the past, they're not in the present moment either. To summarize, fear and regret cannot exist in the present moment or the now. Now, this is a bit philosophical, but stick with me. Even when something bad that we feared is actually happening to us, our minds are not experiencing fear in that moment. They become clear and are able to do very demanding things because we're forced to be 100% present in that moment to deal with that thing that are in previous moments we were anticipating and fearing. So here's an example from my life. When I was in college, I tried out for my university ski team. And that meant going up two nights a week and doing night skiing. And night skiing conditions are icier. It's much colder once the sun goes down. They would set up some poles or gates, and we would try to take them and practice our carves, practice our turns, practice going as fast as we could. And So fewer people up there on the mountain at night, and as you're riding up the lift, you could often see your teammates down there on the gates, and you would also watch them have a blowout or explode off their line and just go flying down the mountain. And that would give rise to some very real concern and anxiety that I began to experience about wiping out while going so fast. And one of the things that added to this was the fact that one of the ways you could hang on to the ice was having very sharp edges on your skis. Now, today we have parabolic skis, and they're more responsive. I don't think the edges have to be quite so razor. Oh, wow. Okay, puppy is having a good dream. Anyway, edges don't have to be so razor sharp to hang in, hang in there, but... Anyway, I would sit on the lift in the freezing cold and I would I would try not to feel this very real anxiety about falling. Well, one day or one night going down my run, 
the inevitable happened. And I don't know if I lost an edge or caught an edge, but I became airborne and I was no longer on my skis. I was tumbling, flying through the air, and I ended up doing the proverbial yard sale where I lost my gloves, lost my hat, I don't know what I tore on my coat. And I also ended up with a slush fund where I had snow in almost every orifice of my body. It was in my eyes, up my nose, in my ears, my mouth, and even in my belly button. Now, in that flipping, flying, careening descent off or down the mountain, I felt no fear. And I was struck by that because I had feared it prior on all those rides up on the chairlift. Instead, I had been 100% present trying to stay alive and minimize the damage and avoid the edges of my skis. So, you know, I ended up getting the bottom and that the happy news is I didn't break anything and I was able to put my skis back on, shake out the snow and take another few rides down the mountain. And I was less afraid after that happened because I had survived it. So I know you will have examples like this from your life. My crazy tumble down the slope at a high speed did the trick for me. But there are less dangerous ways to get into the now so we can experience less anxiety in our life about the future and less regret about things in our past. There is a YouTuber, his handle is Inzelginger. I'm probably saying that wrong. It's got one of those funny two dots over the A. Anyway, he has a channel, and I'm going to post the video on our show notes. And one of his videos is entitled, Eight Ways to Enter the Present Moment. I just love that. I love that title, Entering the Present Moment, because I think we take it for granted But studies show that we're really only thinking about our present at most half of the time. The other half of the time, we're not being present. We're off worrying about the past or or regretting the past or worrying about the future. So here are his eight ways. Number one, and we've talked a lot about this. Can anybody guess? It's breath meditation. So he offers something a little bit different than breath manipulation, which is something that we've done in the past where you might do some box breathing where you're counting in for four counts and then holding it for four counts, then releasing it for four counts, and then breathing in again for four counts. And you can do different numbers with box counting. Some of you reached out to me and shared how you'd done box breathing, but your numbers were different. And I don't think there's a magic number for it. I think the magic comes as we're focusing Well, in breath meditation, it's not so much about the counting, but the observation of the physical breath. So the feeling of our rib cage as it expands or as the air is coming into our mouth and down, I guess it's not technically your throat, but your your airwave. And then notice the feelings. Can you feel how your body feels when you've got that, that air flowing through your bloodstream, your oxygen? And then noticing what your thoughts are doing as you're focusing on the breath and how that that changes them. So that's a way to calm, calm the mental energy down and bring you back into the present moment because 
we are always breathing. We can't postpone it. We can't put it off. We can't um, do it all at once and then take a break from it. We're always breathing. So breath is a really great gateway into the now. All right, the second idea that was shared is to focus on the inner body. So what does that mean, the inner body? The things that are happening automatically without your conscious effort. Things like digestion. So my puppy, you might hear some of his digestive sounds. He's awful gurgly, but he will make all kinds of little noises which indicate that processes are happening in his body. So sometimes when we feel nauseous, it's really brought to our focus that Um, what our digestive system is experiencing. But can we focus on it when we don't feel sick or there isn't pain? Can you notice what your stomach is doing? Is it relaxed? Is it full? Is it starting to gurgle with a little bit of hunger pains? What What about your heart? Your heart is a constant and it's always gonna be there. If you choose to tune in, it's moving and you can... Turn your focus onto that and start to notice what is happening on your inner body. For some people, maybe it's your pulse or the sensation of of blood flowing through your veins. So that's an interesting way to just zero in, calm down the brain, give it a task to focus on that's happening in the present. All right, the third thing that you can do to enter the now is to turn your f- <laughs> turn your focus on touch. So uh, the sensation right now. I have a puppy in my lap. I love to rub his ears. His ears are so soft, and he still has that that little soft, smooth puppy pelt. So I can just tune into him and feel the sensation of his fur under my skin and his his warm little body. And sometimes when we've been outside and his ears will be cold and his paws will be cold. So maybe you don't have a puppy. If you don't, you should go get one because they're pretty magical. Uh, Another thing, sometimes I like to find when I'm traveling a smooth stone. And some people will call it a worry stone, but in my mind, it's kind of the opposite of a worry because I'll put it in my pocket and I'll just feel it and I'll rub it between my fingers and it brings my attention into that moment. So another thing, um, I had to take the dog out this morning and I hadn't got dressed yet, so I was just in my in my nightgown. It was a very cold morning. I'm out there in the backyard waiting for him to do his business and he's taking his sweet time and I could feel the cold air rushing up under my nightgown and and at first, my first thought was, ah, oh, this is miserable, I hate this. And then I thought, you know what, I'm gonna try being present with this. And the most magical thing happened. The discomfort and the anxiousness about the dog going to the bathroom and how long was it going to take him and how cold is it? How long do I have to stand out here? Which those are things in the future. That all dissipated as I noticed the feeling of the cold air on my skin. And I was just present with it. And it really did ground me. And the cold changed from something that was unpleasant to just something that I was observing, kind of like you observe a sunset. So give that a try. Okay, another thing that is uh, an age-old practice, 
and many religions use this to help their congregations or their participants enter a state of now or focus. And that is on reciting a mantra. And we associate this with Eastern religions, but we also do this in Western religions too. And they give the mind something to focus on in the present. It's too much to ask our mind to just stop thinking about all the thoughts that are coming and going. So we have to engage its attention. I've mentioned kundalini yoga in other podcasts. That's something that I enjoy practicing. And kundalini uses a lot of mantras and breath work. And for me, I think it's been a super effective way to develop a more meditative practice because I can't just stop thinking about things. I, I have to engage the mind in something that's happening in the moment, such as a breath of fire or saying a mantra. And it really is restorative. I've really enjoyed the benefits. So give it a try if, you're, if that sounds interesting to you. Another, number five, is waiting for the next thought. Now, I'm going to have to try this. I disclaimer, I haven't tried this yet. But the idea is that you just ask yourself to be present with your thoughts and then ask yourself, what do you think the next thought will be? And I guess it's kind of trippy. People in the comment on the YouTube video were talking about how that really bumped into the flow of their, their mental energy and I guess disrupted it. So anyway, that might be something to give a try. So just ask yourself, hmm, what will the next thought be? And try to picture that. So that's, that's a tool to use to get into the now. All right, the sixth way is to be aware of silence. I was working at the new space for Take Note Troop today, and I was doing some measurements of some windows because I'm going to design these decals to put on the windows. And I was in this room, and I'm, I'm alone in the building. It's very quiet. So you're more aware because you know any other noises you didn't make them. So maybe your, your senses are heightened. Anyway, I'm in this room and I've been in this room multiple times before, but because I'm in there and I'm alone, I could hear this little, this little sound of, of wind and I was able to follow it and find it. And there's this, this seam where the grout around the windows had come loose. So there's this, this little air pocket of, of, very, very quiet, whistling wind in that room. And I can guarantee you the next time I'm in there with a bunch of people or teaching a lesson, I, I won't be able to hear it again. But just being totally present in whatever space you're in and noticing whatever sounds you might hear. Maybe it's a snoring puppy. Maybe it's a sense of ringing in your own ears. Maybe it's a little whistling wind that you hadn't noticed before. Maybe it's the trees and the leaves blowing. Maybe it's the sound of your refrigerator. Most people don't notice that the refrigerator makes noise, but it does. All right, another thing that you can do is, if you, especially if you're with other people and you're finding your mind is racing, you're moving forward, you're planning what to say, you're worried about what you said, and you're having a hard time being present, then listen closely to their words. So this is a really big one if you're experiencing social anxiety. This will shift attention from your own thoughts and instead 
your brain will be engaged in following the, th- the person that you're talking with and help you focus and be in the present moment with them. Another one, if you're somewhere out and about and you just want to have a more grounded experience, maybe you're on a hike, focus on movement and notice the mindless one. Like You don't think about picking up your foot and putting it down or moving your arms every time you take a stride, but we do. And focusing on that, those automatic things that our body does, our body has to be 100% present to pull that off. And focusing on that will bring us into the present. All right, so those, that's a lot to chew on. I'm just going to review them really quick because our play of the week is going to be to choose one of them and to practice it every day this week. So our options are breath meditation, focus on the inner body, focus on touch, recite a mantra, and you can choose any mantra you want or you can look something up. Wait for the next thought, awareness of sounds within silence, listening closely to others' words, focus on our mindless or automatic movements. All right, so play the week. Choose one of those and take a minute and practice stepping into the now. It's an essential skill. Practice is essential if you want to develop a new attribute or strengthen a skill. Sometimes here at the Happiness Playbook, we like to say that happiness is a skill. A better way to say that is that it takes skills to be happy and being able to be present is definitely one of them. So you need to practice. Next week, we'll be exploring one reason why practicing a new skill might be hard for some of us. So be sure to tune in. Till then, I hope you will be more present and keep practicing your happiness moves. Life comes at you, ready or not, and a happiness practice can make all the difference in how you handle it.